everybody. We are back for the first episode of the Bourbon Showdown Podcast Season 2. My name is Jesse Jones, and wow, what a premiere episode we have for this second season. We have Aaron Chepanik of Smoke Wagon on the program today. He is going to regale us with tales of 8-track and L.A. and bourbon and Die Hard and everything else under the sun. Him and I, we get to catch up. He uh, is at his place in Las Vegas. I am at my place in North Carolina. The internet has brought us together, and we are going to have a damn good conversation today. Gotta say up top, uh, me and him, we do not hold back. This is an episode where if you are easily offended or you do not like certain words, then do not listen to this episode. But if you like the goodness and you like the real, then please keep on going because this episode has both. We're going to talk about how he got started, how he brought Smoke Wagon to the masses, how he developed this juice, and, and everything else that goes with that, from the notoriety to the fun to everything in between. We're back, guys. This is season two. Smoke Wagon is the perfect way to kick off this season as we have some kick-ass people in line for you in season two. So without further ado, let's do it. Let's thank Will Jones for the music. Go hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, hit like on Instagram, like on YouTube, all of the good things. So without further ado, it's the Bourbon Showdown Podcast Season 2. My name's Jesse Jones. Let's start the show. How are we? I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for being on. Of course. Man, the weather looks like it's better there than it is here. It's pretty beautiful. It's a, uh, I'm a little late because it's not quite as warm out as I thought it was. <laughs> uh, what, what's the temperature there? I'm going to guess it's like in the low 60s. Oh, that's, that's still low oh, yeah. 60s. I would take that all day long right now. We've been what, hovering what over to- 30 all day. Oh, yeah. Is there snow at least? No, no. Uh, unfortunately, I'm in the part of the Carolinas where we get the mud and the cold, and uh, the mountains get the snow. Um, what uh, what part of North Carolina are you in? I'm right by uh, Charlotte in the Lake Norman area. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I was born in uh, Winston-Salem. Really? Yeah. And uh, my parents now, they live up in uh, Pisgah Forest near Brevard. Yeah. Yeah, so that's where we used to go there. Uh, I grew up in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, and my father's family is from Jacksonville, Florida. And uh, we just went up there so that my sister and I could go to a good school system. Right. But my father said I was uh, growing up a rude Yankee. So <laughs> every summer, we'd either go to North Florida beaches or uh, Western North Carolina so that he, he could get me out of the north. well it is a small world i grew up in mount airy north carolina okay so winston-salem we were there every weekend because mount airy shut down at like 6 (laughs) p.m yeah i haven't been to uh charlotte and it's like 1993 (laughs) (laughs) well it, it seems like you've been uh everywhere else though like like you you we're living in LA when you first got started in the spirits business, weren't you? Yeah. Well, at that point I was splitting my time, but I was definitely here more than I was there. Nice. Uh, in two, in 2000 and well, it's been 14 years. 
So in 2007, the Griffin opened here and I had been coming out here for a year and a half at that point, And I was definitely here more than I was there. Okay. And, and I love the story of how the Griffin started. Like, uh, uh, how did you come about opening that establishment? So I built, uh, my bar, the chalet, um, and <laughs> it's funny, you know, cause, cause all these things I had to do in my life, uh, you know, I cursed them at the time I was doing construction, uh, in the film business. And if it wasn't for that, uh, you know, that was when I was young. That was when I was like 23, 24. Like and also, sets uh, and stuff? Film sets. And then uh, that was, I was living in Atlanta. I actually worked on, on Nell. And so that was on Fontana Lake. And so we stayed in, um, ah, oh God, I can't remember what it was called. The cabins, you know, where the workers who built the dam lived yeah, in yeah, the yeah. 30s. And <laughs> we, like the work I camp. was like, yeah. And so most of those, ca you know, cabins had been, you know, refurbished because it was like a resort. And I remember somebody was driving by and they saw me on the porch of my cabin, which was exactly like it was from the 30s, you know. Right. They're like, we didn't think anybody uh, stayed over here anymore. <laughs> and I was like, well, <laughs> when you're at the bottom, this is where they put you. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, though. All of those experiences uh, when we're younger, I think, they, they, we look upon them fondly now. It's, it's fun to think about surviving that. Yes. I mean, you know, I, I think fortunately, too, in the moment, I kind of, initially you know i had so much um i don't know it's hard to I don't, it it was definitely good for me it was good the the physical labor aspect of it was good um kind of like being doing that you know in like a business like the film business where there's all these personalities and hierarchy of status and you know oh yeah <laughs> figuratively and literally I'm in the mud, you know, I'm in the mud up to my waist digging some like rotting hay off the set. while like the stars are walking on like a, you know, a, a boardwalk like elevated, you know, so, so it's like, it's, it was, it's good. It kind of rids you of your ego. You know what I mean? Like the ancient Egyptians, they're just being carried from one place to another. <laughs> exactly. Those jobs are necessary, though. Like you just said, it, it checks your ego. Uh, yes. Everybody starts at a place. Uh, uh, I feel like the people that start at the top never appreciate the bottom. Yeah, and and the the physical labor, you know, like I was a laborer for quite a while, and um, I just didn't realize like what I could do physically until that, you know, like uh, they kept promoting me and making me like a labor foreman and things like that. But, um, no one could keep up with me. Like I even remember, like I was in my, you know, mid twenties by then early twenties. I remember there was this football player who was like fresh out of high school. And like, we would have to push these wheelbarrows up this, uh, up this, um, you know, boardwalk and it would just piss him off that he couldn't, he couldn't keep up with me, you know? And that, so, so they realized I would slow down, to work the speed of my crew. So they found that I would, things would get done faster if they just fucking stuck me on a pontoon boat with this guy, Gene. Uh, Gene Lanch. I can't believe I remember his name. Gene Lanch. I mean, he's 
he he was so old. I mean, he knew the story. Like we'd be on Fontana Lake, and he'd be like, "Oh, this is where the town church used to be," and over here, and and um, and he would see me doing dumb shit, and he was like, "I worked in a lumber mill when I was your age, and we we're all trying to pick up the greenest logs, and I'm paying for it now." I was like, "Whatever, Gene, I'm cool," <laughs> you know. And then I hurt right. my back. But, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm unstoppable. I'm 23. I'm unstoppable. Yeah, but um. Yeah, man, they, uh, I, I, I remember I got a job, uh, it was, oh, I got that job. I know this is nothing to do with bourbon. <laughs> I got no, that no, job. No, 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 no. Because, uh, this is perfect. I worked on, you know, I was always, the thing is, is like, I was always getting hired as like a day player and I would always be the longest lasting out of it because I'd worked the hardest. And then finally they, I'd become part of the regular crew. And I remember, they dropped me off in this alleyway uh, on this miniseries called Oldest Living Confederate Widow Tells All. And it was in, oh, shit, I can't remember the name of the town. It was in Georgia, and it was east of Atlanta, southeast of Atlanta. And it was, like, one of the only towns that didn't get burnt down during Sherman's March from Atlanta to Savannah. Oh, wow. And so every house had a story. And mainly it was because uh, – Sherman's nephew lived there. And so, and that's why the town was spared. And like, you know, they make, they make, you know, chicken, uh, fried chicken for the forces as they march through and everything. So it looked exactly like it did during the civil war, except for the paved streets and everything, all that stuff. So it was my job <laughs> to cover all the streets and dirt. And <laughs> the historical society of the town did not want us to have big trucks oh, spraying no. the dirt on the street. So I had to do it with a shovel and I learned over time that if I did it with a grain shovel and if I swung the shovel off my hip, I could feather an entire half inch line of dirt across the entire street. And uh, yeah, so they dropped me off in this alley with like all, you know, I don't know, it was like 20 tons of dirt, maybe more. And they said, hey, get started. We'll pick you up for lunch. And uh, after lunch, we'll have somebody help you. And when they showed up, I had been waiting for like half an hour. You were and done. They were like, oh, they were like, oh, yeah, it was snowing. It was wintertime. It was snowing. I was in a T-shirt and I was sweating and I was just standing there and uh, they were just like, holy shit, you're on the next one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, from everything I've researched about you, full throttle seems to be the only real speed you have. Yes, for sure. I mean, I'm older now, so I enjoy having some slow time i mean i don't know if i could start from scratch again you know that's why people are always like oh do you, do you want to sell I'm like i don't know if i could fucking do another business man fucking not that yeah. i want to you know i love doing this this is and it's perfect because there's no there's no time frame there's no there's no expiration date for me to be doing this you know Bar, that's the beauty sure, of it. There's gonna, yeah there's gonna come a time where i'm gonna walk into my you know bar and people are like what's this old guy doing here, you know? But but this, no one's going to be like, why are you still distilling? You're so old. Right. You know, so it, it's cool. Um, if anything, that now hurts we you accolades the longer you go. Yeah. And now that we've, um, you know, that, now that we've grown, and I'm hiring people. It's like, I'm not doing it all by myself. I'm not, I pushed it as far as I could, as far as the uh, the physical stuff, bottling myself moving all the barrels myself, doing all those things myself, um, you know, and then also too, because you, you have this mentality, right? Like what I always want, um, 
I mean, in the bar business, it was sort of different. I had never been a bartender, but I could walk into the room and instantly by looking around, I could tell who was going to be a problem, which bartender everybody was kind of pissed off at. You know, I could read the body language. I could read the room. Uh, it used to piss the door guys off all the time because I'd be like, what's that guy's deal? You got to get him out of here. And like, no, that's uh, blah, blah, blah. He's totally cool, man. Right. And then, you know, half an hour later, they're choking him out and dragging <laughs> him out. And I, was like, I was like, I was like, can't you just, couldn't you tell? You just look, you know, I can just look at these guys and, uh, and just get, you know, get a vibe from them. Um, and so, and so as a boss, you know, nobody was ever like, Hey, why is this guy in charge? You know what I mean? Uh, no. And, and you do, I have had that problem with managers where people are like, why is he the manager? I'm like, fuck, I don't know why he's the manager. <laughs> let's get him, let's get him out of there. <laughs> And for this, you know, because there is so so much physical work and all those things, it's like, I don't know. I felt like I had I had something to prove to the staff. Like, hey, I can, you know, I can do all this shit myself. And but I don't know. I've let all that go. You know, it's like because because there there'll become a t- there'll come a time where people the the company will be so big and you know no one will will know my role or whatever. You know, who knows how long it'll take. And nobody will know about the times I had to unload an entire semi of barrels in two hours or you get overcharged. And since you're doing it by yourself, you got to get in the truck. You got to, you know, in 114 degrees, by the way. So you got to, you got to, I'd have to hop in the truck, get the pallet jack, pull the, pull the, um, uh, you know, the pallets to the back of the truck, jump out of the truck, get in the forklift, pull them, drop them and keep doing that all day in 114 degree temperature and uh you know the driver the driver would come around back and be like it's hot out i'm like yeah man it's hot out you know because we didn't have a loading dock <laughs> and and i was like yeah it's fucking hot out and they're like you're doing this all by yourself i'm like yeah he's like i've never seen that before it, it's hard huh i'm like yeah it's hard he's like well you got like an hour and we're gonna start charging you you know <laughs> so- yeah i mean I, I hear that, man. My dad put me on the back of the truck as soon as I was strong enough to lift a box. You know, we were uh, wholesale produce. So my I learned to drive a stick driving tomatoes across Virginia. So that, I, 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 I feel that. That is how my great grandfather. That's what he did. My great grandfather came over from Russia and uh, he started a produce stand in Jacksonville. And that turned into like a big uh, produce shipping company that That's apparently awesome. everybody in the family was a part of, except, <laughs> except for mine. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's sort of how we went too. Like my dad followed in my grandfather's footsteps and I would have been third generation, but you know, uh, I started telling jokes and moved to New York. So I've always been that member of the family. Right on. Yeah. And I, and I hear you. When it comes to reading a room, you've got to be able to pick out your problems immediately. And oh, yeah. s- similar to the bar business, there's you can there's little tells that everybody has. That guy's yeah. mouthy too quick, or that guy looks like he wants to talk too bad, and you have to shut them down before they shut you down. And it's it's not as bad as it used to be. The world is not as violent as it was like when I started, you know, 18, 19 years ago, uh, as far as like, you know, bar customers and things like that, everybody's a little more, seems like a little more chill now, at least what I'm, what I'm dealing with. I mean, we haven't had a fight in Las Vegas and I don't even know how long it used to be all the time. 
So where are you at in Vegas? Uh, the bar or the distillery? Like, like, like right now, it looks like uh, you're just in the middle of awesome. I'm in my backyard. Oh, I, dude. <laughs> yeah. That is, that is, I came to where I could find some sun. I was sitting a little farther over near the pool and it was all shady because my neighbor to the uh, south has um, a row of um, Italian cypress. Yeah. So this time of year, the sun's so low in the sky that my entire backyard shaded. And so I had to come to where the break in the trees was to, to get some sun because it's so rare. <laughs> it's so rare that I can comfortably sit in the sun here. Usually it's like the ant under a magnifying glass, you know? Right. Right. You got to enjoy it while you can before it gets back up to uh, the pools, 107 degrees. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I think the last time I was in Vegas, I, I got to uh, my favorite. I always love going to Vegas when they pay me to go. You know what I mean? Like, like if I don't lose any money, <laughs> uh, or if I break even with what they've paid me to be there, I call it a win. Yeah, I, I don't gamble. I don't have the thing. I, it's I never that. been – I'm not good at it. I, I think I was brought up <laughs> too fiscally responsible to just, uh, oh, here's $100. Goodbye, $100. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, and, you know, I can see it when people, like, win big, you know. But, like, yeah, if you're – you know, because I played blackjack before or whatever, and uh, I understand poker because it's a skill. It's a skill I don't I – don't, I don't uh -uh. know if I really have. I think but, I've got too much you know, ADHD for poker. But blackjack is like, it's work. You're going to work. It's a grind. Mm -hmm. So like to win at blackjack, you just, it's a slow grind. And, uh, you know, so there's no, there's no real like big highs. You know what I mean? Not that I get like those don't really, mm -mm. I don't know. I, I remember uh, the first time I went the, um, I'm there about five minutes and I'm already down $500 and uh, the bank calls me to say, Mr. Jones, are you aware that somebody has taken $500 out of your account, which is just salt in the wound because I'm like, yeah, I'm aware. And then they're like, okay, cause we just called another, we called Mrs. Jones and she was not aware that somebody had taken 500 out. I was like, well, listen up, Sonny Jim, if you would please call me first from now on. Yeah, uh, it, yeah, I do remember like talking to people, and they'd be like, "Yo, you should come out and hang out in Vegas." Like, oh, I can't afford it. I was like, "What are you talking about? It's so cheap, you know." I'm like, oh, every time I go, I lose like two grand. I was like, and I was like, "Oh yeah, people gamble." I forgot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I always liked going where the locals go. Uh, my favorite moments were never. It was it, you know, I'm always in comedy clubs, so you're either standing in the back watching somebody you know or you get as far away from the lights as you can and you end up at somebody's house uh, right. eating home-cooked food and not spending money. Uh, I saw today, uh, a, a little off the bourbon topic, I saw today you had an 8-track player. It was blowing my mind. That thing was beautiful. Oh, I've got a few of them, yeah. That is I, phenomenal. It all, it all started, I bought uh, a car that had one that worked. And so I started buying 8-tracks for it. And then it was so fun. It was like so nice to um, just, you know, it's like a real time warp. Uh, yeah. You put, put the phone, you know, put the phone in the back and just everything's analog. And there's places where I can go like for a drive. I mean, that's why I love it here. You know, on a weekday, I can go out to Valley of Fire and come back Lake Mead. And I'll be like the only only car on the road. And so you're like, just listen to it. It could be any 
it could be like 1970, you know, and you just, it's just nice to tune out and get away from the phone and everything. And then I had like some other cars. I was like, yeah, I love listening to music while I'm driving. And so I started buying aftermarket ones and I, uh, over the years I've bought a ton of them, you know, um, that's awesome. It's hard because most people won't, they're finally starting the vintage stereo, like, um, the vintage stereo like uh, car guys are finally starting to rebuild eight tracks. They wouldn't do it forever. Um, and especially aftermarket ones, like they all kind of focus on the, on the, Oh, you know, the, the factory original ones. Right. Um, and but, so I bought so many <laughs> that I finally had enough where they didn't need any work and they told, you know, and uh, <laughs> it's cool, you know, well, it's there's really something cool. about listening to an album all the way through. Like, like I didn't grow up with shuffle. I, I right. you know, you bought an album, you listened to it from start to finish. And, and that was the experience. Uh, I've, I've got a few record players for the same reason, just that you, you put it on, you don't have the perfection doesn't make it for me. I like the grit. I, I like for it to sound the way it sounded when they recorded it. Well, yeah, it's so much warmer, you know, especially if you're using vintage a vintage system. There's mm-hmm. there's no comparison because, like, you could listen to a modern record, but it's all recorded on everything's digital. It's not going to – you you can't go digital, 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 and then put it on an analog source, and then all of a sudden it's it sounds better. like no. it did back in the day, you know. you mm. got you got to start with analog. And, uh, oh, yeah. and you know, eight tracks are tough because – the the varying it's kind of like a set. I mean, the varying degree and quality between one is like holy shit, this sounds insane, and the next one sounds like it's a bootleg of a bootleg of a bootleg, and it's a it's a factory tape, you know. Right. And they're a pain. You gotta you gotta you know repair the splice because it's a continuous loop, and so where the the foil tape is, those always break. So you just gotta pay attention to the splices change the pads um you're cleaning everything because since it is a continuous loop the backside's all graphite and so every time it's spinning around it's putting graphite dust everywhere but you know whatever it's cool you know it's good yeah that's uh i've got like a 66 benjamin miracord and it, it sounds amazing uh but you know the the needle breaks and you've got to replace right. the parts and the parts are now um, astronomical but it's it's I I it I prefer it I I've got all of my all of my because I was cassette tapes more than eight track but you know I I so that's the thing yeah I mean I should not have any real connection to eight tracks I mean I we didn't have, I had one as a kid because it was a piece of crap I won it at the bank I remember um it was God that had I don't remember I was so young. But it was like Easter, and like you'd pick, they'd have like these little plastic eggs, and it had one had a hay penny in it or an Indian head, and and so I won this eight track, and it was in my room. But like my dad, he had a reel to reel, and you know turntable, uh, and I, you know he got he got a cassette. I think in the eighty, like like late seventies, because I remember in eighty one the car we bought had a cassette deck in it. Right. Um, so by then, like we all kind of had, you know, had cassettes. And it shifted. Yeah, it's crazy because cassettes, you know, they were gone. Like, they, I mean, they were they really ten didn't years. last that long. Yeah, yeah, ten years. 
the uh, the CDs came out, and then everything uh, just got crisper and crisper, and and now it's just um, it's pushed through so many filters. I, yeah, I remember buying CDs, and you, you know they would tell you like what stage of the process was digital, and you'd be like, oh, the, the you know triple D, you know digitally recorded, digitally. You know, everything's digital, and you're like, yeah, this is what I want. And now I'm like, no, that is not what yeah, you want. Yeah, Well, it's like anything. It, 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 oh, perfection? Yeah, I want perfection. And then yeah. you realize, like, some of the soul's not in it when you when you perfect it too much. Well, you, you lose uh, the warmth because it's not and, – and, the, in, you know, it's not as intricate because it's not a continuous sound. Your ear really can't pick it up, but it's like – it's little blips, you know? And so, like, obviously, analog is continuous, and that's where it gets all its warmth and and all that. That is awesome. Uh, it's you could say a little bit. Uh, you could say that about whiskey as well. You know, like uh, the unfiltered Segway, the unfiltered <laughs> uh, <laughs> the the more you filter it out, the the less taste you have. Oh, uh, there's no question. You know, and. Um, uh, any argument to the contrary, I just am not, I don't buy. I mean, I, I've seen things where they're like, can you really tell the difference between filtered and on? Yes, of course you can. Yes, There's of course. No, you know, the only reason you'd want a, uh, either a charcoal filter or chill filter is because you, uh, you rushed the aging process or it's not ready, right? Or you want to shit out as much juice as possible and, and a low proof and pay less tax, right? Because your tax is based on the proof. And so if you've got an 80 proof, you're paying less tax. And so if you're like Jack Daniels and you're doing I don't, whatever, nine or 10 million cases a year, you know, uh, you know, five, you know, not uh, like us where we're talking about five liter cases, we're talking about like nine liter, 12 packs, 750s that's a shit ton of tax you're saving by making it 80 proof instead of 92.5 or 93 where it doesn't have to be chill filtered. And, uh, you know, but yeah, I, I don't, we don't, we don't chill filter anything at all. Uh, I am, I am really looking forward to, to trying some, uh, what, what are you sipping on right now? I'm just having some coffee. I just had lunch. Oh, that's right. I keep forgetting. Uh, you guys are three hours behind me right now. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, thank you for uh, doing this earlier. I I, uh, I know we were supposed to do it uh, maybe an hour or two from now. So so thanks for taking time out. No worries. Uh, it's it's one of those things. I I'm at, I've got to can actually do it outside. Yeah. Nice. Well, yeah. A couple doing hours. It'd like be four o'clock. Cold there too. Yeah, it gets dark so earlier. So uh, you weren't originally in bourbon, were you? Like you originally were a vodka guy. Oh yeah, hundred percent. For sure. <laughs> and so y your original, uh, before you and Jonathan got into bourbon, was he going to be with you on vodka as well? Was that like the original plan? The original plan was vodka. We were both drinking tons of vodka. Uh, he was more of a cocktail guy. I would just drink vodka on the rocks and the lime. As many of them as you could give me in a night. <laughs> I used to plow my my drinking in those days was uh, was legendary. I didn't even know how much I was drinking because I owned bars, and so right, right. I, I I couldn't keep track. And I mean, I I remember I was talking to somebody, one of the bartenders, um, 
And I was like, God, yeah, so crazy. I must have drank a bottle a night back in those days. She was like, what? <laughs> no, you drank like two, like two liters a night, you know? And, uh, <laughs> and I just, I just was so manic. I was so like, I had all this energy. I just burned through it. I mean, I never got hung over. I was n- rarely, rarely ever visibly drunk, which people found very disturbing because they'd see me during the day and I'm always kind of like, you know, whatever, have this personality and they would see me during the day. They're like, wait a second. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You're just always making jokes and like doing dumb shit. You weren't, were you like, I don't know what's worse that this is how you are. Well, not worse, but like, so this is just how you are. I was like, yeah. And then at the end it did. In the end, uh, I I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that uh, point. Yeah. I mean, I, I was feeling it the next day. I, I wasn't as manic and I wasn't burning through it. And honestly, I wasn't having fun. I think the bar business used to be so fun before smartphones and everything. Right. Uh, you know, you, people, I think it was more social. People were talking to each other um, more. I mean, if you wanted to get laid, you had to, you had to know how to talk to somebody, make, yep. make some jokes or something like that, you know. Completely. Uh, and uh, Tinder has killed I mean, the romance of flirting. <laughs> for sure. And and the ability for people to uh, communicate with each other, you know? Very much. And, and um, I mean, I, also I was getting older. So when I first started in the bar business, I was only 32. When the, when the Griffin opened, I was 35. Mm. And so the age difference between me and the youngest customer was, you know, nine years, which is, I mean, for the, for the way I looked and my energy and everything, it was like, what, it wasn't a big deal. But then you start getting older and older and older and older. And that age gap starts, then you have less and less in common with people. And, um, yeah, so I just said, you know, this is, I'm drinking too much. I'm not really having fun anymore. I need to slow it down. So obviously vodka, I'll always drink like water. Literally. I mean, just, I tried drinking beer. Can't do beer. No, it doesn't it just slow me, me down. The, the last time I drank beer, I think, uh, I remember I was drinking check bar and I had, uh, I think I had like I had 35 pints. <laughs> in one night and I didn't know right I like I, I was like so hung over the next day and I called the bar manager and said man I think I got roofied last night I didn't even get because I didn't even get drunk I was like I uh all I did was have some beers last night and uh I feel terrible I like puked up my breakfast and everything and he uh he said She's like, how many? And he's like, I was gonna call you to make sure you're okay. He's like, how many beers you think you had? And I was like, I don't know, six or seven. And again, so I would drink it, drink a beer in one gulp and put it down, and then he'd fill it. And so I thought I was just sipping on a beer all night, right? But I was just like drinking pint after pint. You just slamming so, out, <laughs> yeah. Not and uh, <laughs> so I was like, all right, let's try something else. And so I tried all the brown spirits. Uh, you know, I was trying to drink scotch, I was trying to drink all these different things. And I just, I, I loved bourbon. My favorite was four roses, single barrel, which is their, their 35% rye mash bill. 
And uh, uh, Michter's Rye when it was young, when it was 30, 36 months old back then. And, um, and you know, not, and not only would I take my time, but it affected me differently. Everything I'd ever drank in the past, whether it was tequila, mezcal, or vodka, it was just fueled the fire. Right. Uh, just like, oh boy. <laughs> but bourbon, I was like, I do believe I am feeling uh, slightly buzzed. Uh, perhaps <laughs> it is time to go. Uh, good night, everyone. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna see myself out and go to bed. You know, and like, you're I shaking was like a, hands, making pleasantries. Yeah, so not trying to hit on anybody's girlfriend or doing anything. I didn't realize I was doing back in the day when I was like all wild and crazy and just like, you know, and. Um, yeah, I remember I was talking to one of the door guys. I was like, man, I'm going to get out of here. And, and like, I was talking to the, the, this couple, and I was like, I was like, man, that guy's girlfriend was like, you know, because, you know, I was like bar owner or whatever. I was like, that guy's girlfriend was like hitting on me right in front of him. That was very uncomfortable. You know, like, that shit happened all the time. You should just be like so wild. You didn't even notice there was somebody else there. I was like, oh <laughs> shit, no wonder people <laughs> become an asshole you know <laughs> so uh so it was good it was it was a good it was a very good thing for me it slowed me down stopped me from misbehaving you know and um i all of a sudden i went from drinking so much that i'd have like one or two a night and that was it and i'd go home you know or or switch to water or something as soon as i started feeling it i just i didn't it didn't fuel the fire you know it just uh and I enjoyed it. It was, That's the I enjoyed thing. the experience of drinking before drinking was like a means to an end. It was like a, you know, let's get, let's fucking party, man. Let's get it on, you know, oh, yeah. let's get wild. Like staying up all night, going after hours. You yep. know, go, it's crazy going out at like, you know, 10 o'clock with your sunglasses in your pocket. Cause you know, you're going to end up at an after hours and go home at like, you know, 1130 and people were like, Oh, you know, and I, no drugs, just all that was just, that was vodka, you know? Yeah. Same here. And, we never uh, dabbled too hard in the drugs, but we were, uh, you know, it was, it was, you were in your twenties and it was New York and you were doing shows all over the place and you would, you do four shows and go from club to club. And then when you got done, you'd stay out till five or six in the morning and you knew everybody at all the bars. We, we, we live similar, uh, we parallel existences. If you're in a bar uh, business or a comedy business, because we're night owls and we understand that communication and having allies wherever you go makes all the <laughs> difference in the time that you have. Yeah. Oh, you yeah, go to the bar, it, it, they juice you up, and then the next thing you know, it's 7 o'clock in the morning, and let's go get breakfast. Yeah, you get breakfast, and then you sleep for, like, you either take a girl home, and, you know, so then you really don't get any sleep, but it wouldn't matter. I'd, like, you know, a couple hours of sleep and be like, hey, you want to go get, you want to go get breakfast? It. You yeah. know, I mean, I would, like, do all kinds of shit. And then as you got older, it's like, well, maybe I'll just sit here for six <laughs> hours and then take a nap. <laughs> <laughs> then then I'll go work out and then I'll eat and then I'll go to the bar. And it's like, this is not much of a life. I'm not really doing anything anymore. I'm just going out drinking. Right. You know? I think bourbon, it, it totally can. It, it, you appreciate it. Uh, it's, it's got a complexity to it that the other spirits don't have. Like, like you just said, like, like vodka, you're, you're, it's, it's there to make a point. Like you're, you're doing it. So it's, it's fuel for the fire where yeah. bourbon, it, you're, you're, your whole body's like, okay, let's just stop and enjoy this for a minute. Let's just absorb. 
Right. Yeah. Enjoy the experience, you know, enjoy these flavors. I mean, that's like when I talk to people about uncut unfiltered, you know, uh, I won't, I like to drink uncut unfiltered. Like when I, when I have time to spend with it, so, right. cause I'm picking out flavors, you know, and like straight or small batch, you know, small batch, small batch, either way, small batch, I can have it neat. And there's like all these flavors or like I can have it on the rocks or whatever when I'm out and it's not, you know, and just, and I'm like, Oh, yum. And I don't, <laughs> it's not like, cause uncut, I'm like, Oh, what is that? Okay. What was that flavor? All right. What was that? And like, if I was in a social situation, and someone would be talking to me and be like, okay, shh, shh. I'm, I'm picking out flavors over here, okay? Just give me a second. But, uh, you know, a straight or small back, it's like, you're like oh, just, you know, oh, this is delicious. I, I, I'm the same way. I hate it when you're trying something that you really like and there's somebody there just wanting to, to jaw the whole time about something not bourbon. <laughs> I don't care about politics right now. I don't care about the weather right now. Unless you're trying it with me and taste something I don't get, I don't want to hear from you right now. Well, I never want to be talking about politics or the weather. No, 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 no. Uh, the 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 whole team is is I I, I don't. If, if I don't, tr if I've never had it and I'm talking to you, I don't try it until we talk. So the right. whole team has been waiting for me and you to oh, talk. Oh, really? Oh, you haven't tried it? No, no. I, I, I wanted to try it with you. And there, there's like four or five guys that are like, wait a minute, when? February? Fuck you. Oh, I, I, uh, I, shit, I didn't bring any out. Lindsay said this one was just an uh, interview. I didn't, uh, I don't have any of those with me. But oh, shit. I know how, you may I know have how they to, taste you may have to watch me drink it then. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> I'm familiar uh, with all of them. <laughs> hey, uh, it, it's, it's, and I don't even care what we talk about. I'm, I'm enjoying talking to you. I, 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 you probably do so many of these that if, if you don't want to talk bourbon, we don't have to talk bourbon. I, I can talk records and fricking drinking all day long. Uh, it's all good, man. I mean, uh, well, I want you to try it though. So yeah, we, we, we got to talk about it so you can try it. Rock and roll. Um, I would, I would start off with the straight, the lowest proof, the one in the clear the bottle. Straight. All right. So the straight, uh, for me, uh, I cannot explain why I wanted to do it. It was like this gut instinct where I just said, we need to have an affordable bourbon. I feel like everything's getting weirder and weirder. Right. More, you know, because that, 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 it's like I did. First, we did small batch. Then we did uncut. Then I did Desert Jewel and the barrel picks and everything was getting more and more expensive and, and more and more limited. And I was just like, you know, I would really like to do something that everybody can afford. Um, mainly because I don't think that this whole collecting and and paying big money for stuff it, it's it's a dinosaur I, I was talking to somebody about it the other day that whole thing it's a dinosaur on the other side of the planet and the comet hit and it doesn't even know it's dead yet you know right. i mean retailers are not letting it happen because they're starting to mark shit up now i i have no control over what a retailer does that's the whole point of the three-tier system is to right. separate influence from supplier to retailer and so, and so the day, you know, and then um, people are really starting to look at flippers. Yeah, um, it's an interesting thing. And, and your bottles have really captured people's imagination. I think it's because they're so cool looking. Thank you. Like, like you designed a pretty badass bottle. 
I mean, that is just yeah. beautiful, man. It really Thank is. You. Yeah. So a lot of that uh, come, you know, obviously from design the vodka bottle. The vodka bottle had the, uh, you know, the the Morgan silver dollar in it. Well, still does. I shouldn't say had. But so we got permission from the United States Treasury to trademark that uh, replica of the Morgan because it, it was public public domain. And, That's awesome. Uh, and so I wanted to put that on the front of a bottle and everyone told me it was impossible. You could not do that. And so I had to engineer it myself. I had to design, I had to uh, get a 3d um, program and build the bottle, get the Morgan and figure out how much to recess it into the front of the glass with those little bumpers around the label. So on the assembly line, that's not a, that's not a point of contact. And then wow. And then when it came time, so the bourbon I put in a uh, amber bottle because that is what I saw all the late 1800s high end bourbon in. And it, it really is just a beautiful bottle. And I think that's why people are are getting as weird about collecting them as they are. Uh, I, I understand yeah. if, if, if I buy more than one bottle, I'm normally buying one to drink now and one to drink later. That's normally my philosophy. It's not a buy one, keep one forever. It's a, it's a habit. So you don't run out. Yes. I, I don't get yeah, the, I, I understand that. Yeah. And I understand trading and, and all those things, you know? Um, but, uh, but yeah, so when I, when I was in the bar, but, well, I guess I still am. When crafts really started blowing up, and people would bring me their products, right? And they'd be in these shitty bottles. And I'd say, well, that's, uh, what do you want me to do with that? Like right. put it on the back bar? Because nobody knows who you are. It's not going to go on a speed rail in front of the well. What am right, I, there's uh, nothing you know, fancy I, about it. Yeah, like, and they're like, yes, but it's craft. I made that. I'm like, that's really great. I'm really happy for you but no one's going to drink it because of this packaging. Right. And, uh, and so I, you know, I really wanted to put, now the other thing too is like, is it all started with the vodka? Right. And, and, and when we started, I mean, it was, that was like the height of, you know, uh, like VIP seating and, and bottle service and all that shit. And so I just wanted a vodka that had looked like it'd been around forever, like just go against the grain of what everybody was doing. Everybody was doing like super modern bottles, super, you know, um, and, and, you know, it just took us too long to get out. But I do think that that is why, uh, I shouldn't say why, but one of the main factors why Tito's launched to the stratosphere, because he was perfectly positioned with what was, what was uh, presented as a craft superior product at an affordable price. And when 2009, 2010 happened and nobody, you know, premium vodka thing was over. Right. That was like, Oh, well, I don't have to go drink this. I can drink this. It's cheap. And it, it, it it's craft. You, you know, and it's good. Yeah. And, um, so, uh, so, you know, we missed, we missed that one. But <laughs> with the vodka, but that was sort of the, I just wanted to look like it had been around forever. I wanted everything to look like it was been around forever, and uh, and with the bourbon too, I wanted to look authentic, like the way it would have been done. 
you know, because like a lot of these people, they do these labels that are like kind of old timey and stuff like that. I'm like, that is how snake oil was done. Because everybody, you could go to a printer and print out a black and white thing and stick it on your label. That right. I mean, sorry, stick that label on your on your bottle. That was not a high end product to be like that black and white sort of etched look. That because I know because my mom's a pharmacist and she had a collection of snake oil packaging <laughs> and like that. That was what. That's how shitty products came. And so, um, well, there's nothing yeah, shitty so you, about this. The attention to detail is immaculate. Thank you. And, and what does the what does the Latin at the bottom? Oh, Bibimus Morianum S. It's a Seneca the Elder uh, toast or quote. And um, uh, I'm trying to remember what the what the actual translation is, but it, it's it's uh, a drink for we must die. Bibimus Moriendum. Bibimus Moriendum S. Yeah, drink. So, so it means drink for we must die. That is cool as shit. That, that is that awesome, was, uh, man. John, that was actually Jonathan when I was trying to come up with a logo and I was just putting a d- bunch of dumb Latin on there. And he said, no, no, I've, I, my uh, law professor, uh, we had a toast and it was the Seneca, the Seneca quote. And I said, well, shit, that's amazing. <laughs> Let's do that's, that. <laughs> hell yeah, man. And uh, talking, of course, about Jonathan Hensley. And, and he, uh, you guys met in L.A. He, he yep. He wrote one of wrote or produced one of the diehards. Diehard with a vengeance. The Diehard with a vengeance. Or is that the I mean, third one? I can't remember. The one with Sam yeah, Jackson. So that, that was that. That was a yes. That was an original screenplay that he wrote called uh, Simon Says, I believe, and it got it got turned into a diehard movie. That's cool, man. And yeah. then you guys. He, I mean, he, he had a lot of big ones. He did Jumanji. You know, he started off the original Skywalker. Jumanji. Yeah, that is awesome. Yeah, so he started at Skywalker Ranch, uh, writing Young Indiana Jones Chronicles, and from there to Jumanji, Die Hard with a Vengeance, The Rock, Armageddon, uh, and a bunch of others. A bunch of others that he he took his name off because he wasn't happy. (laughs) (laughs) And then, so you guys, you become buddies, and you you open this distillery, or, or you open uh, the bar in Vegas. And when we th- opened the bar in Vegas, we, we barely, we weren't buddies. It was like a 100% business deal. It was oh, really? Like, I oh, thought yeah. you guys were like uh, uh, BFFs. No, I barely knew them. Uh, I, uh, yeah, like the first time we drove out to Vegas, like, I, you know, I he just said he always, he just said my bar was perfect and he always wanted to do a bar. And uh, I said, hey, there's this deal going on in Las Vegas. Because at the time, to do a bar in L.A., you had to buy an existing bar. You could not turn a retail space into a bar. And so it, it was a different world because all the bars for sale were like these old man bars in like these weird parts of town. Right. And so everybody would drive all over the fucking place because nobody lived there. Like after 90, after the Northridge earthquake and the riots, or well, riots first, then Northridge, and the military base is closing in California. Everyone left. I mean, when I first moved to LA, it was paradise. I mean, it was, I mean, there was still smog and all that, but like life was easy. You could rent a space for cheap. Uh, I, my daily driver was 67 Olds Coronado and I never put the windows up. I never locked it. You know, beautiful. It it was, it was a different world. I mean, I used to ride my, at a 71 Honda CB 750 and I used to ride that, 
down Sunset Boulevard to the beach, you know? It's like that thing would blow up if I <laughs> if I went back and tried to do that. It would take like five hours, you know, in traffic. <laughs> I mean, the last time I did that, I did with a buddy, and he had a he had a um, a seventy Harley FLH, and mine's a seventy two, and we I like had to meet him at his house at five thirty in the morning, you know, to do it, and I was just like, it was really cool too because we got out there before track. Like, you know, it was a mega man. Nobody was on the road. And we were at the beach. We had breakfast on the beach and everything. I was like, this is really cool. But I don't want to fucking wake up at 3.30 so I can just go for a motorcycle ride to the beach, you know? Right. Uh, you just listed one of my favorite movies that nobody's ever seen and everybody should. Uh, the Omega Man, the old 70s Charlton Heston. Absolutely right. phenomenal. Oh, man. That's... that's Okay, uh, you and I could probably sit around and drink bourbon together for like <laughs> nine or ten hours if if um, you're you're checking all the boxes, Aaron. Seventies <laughs> rock and roll and uh, uh, cult sci-fi cinema. I'm there all day long. I had somebody try to make the argument with me uh, to me that the uh, Will Smith version was better than the Charlton Heston version. I just walked away. <laughs> well, you know, they're two totally different movies. Yeah, exactly. Versus. It's nowhere. It's not the same thing. Um, this smells amazing. Uh, I, I've been torturing myself. Uh, uh, it's got a very. Have a sip. It's a balanced nose. It's. I mean. It's sweet. You you get a hint of cinnamon. It it's. S smells delightful. <laughs> Thank you. It is it's a delightful daily bourbon. You know, it's not overly complex. It's uh, entry level in the fact that anybody can try it and they'll like it because it doesn't have heavy tannins. It's lower proof. You know, <laughs> it's, it's delicious. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, that's a, it should retail for around thirty. You know, it's tough because we're not we're not getting enough out the door to right. do the volume that I'd like to eventually be doing. Not because the demand isn't there. The demand's insane. I cannot get enough out. I mean, we're only in 11 states. and uh, I think you just got to North Carolina? Yeah, we're on the North Carolina special order list. And, okay, um, that makes sense. But not, okay. but, but not not fully distributed there. And I can't keep up. I can't. I mean, we're doing, uh, you know, we're doing 60,000 cases. It was what we're getting out the door. And I could be doing double that just in the 11 markets we're in. And then uh, there's never enough. Like even in New York, they've stopped introducing us to new accounts because just I just can't. <laughs> it's you like can't, insane. Can't do it. I was wow. hoping to do like you know five thousand cases this year, and um, and then uh, yeah, and then you know I want to get into other states, but so in August we'll be in a new facility that's bigger, and I can finally get an automated bottling line, and we'll have the ability to like get more juice out because we've got the barrels. I just can't. I just can't bottle it fast enough that is so good and it, it is it, it, it's the mash bills 36 rye correct 36 uh, rye four barley and 60 corn it is so balanced and smooth like like i don't know what i was expecting 
and 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 that's that's how I like it. You know what I mean? Right. Like yeah. your 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 pat your brain can tell you something that's not true and and make your tongue think something that's wrong if if you go in with any preconceived notions. Right. So I, I always like to if if I've never had it before and we're talking, I always like to try it with you first, uh, just to not have anybody else influence the the what's going right. on. You know. Well, what's funny about that one too, you know, is because it's the entry level. And I'll give it to people who aren't experienced bourbon drinkers, and um, and they'll be like, "Well, this is, this has to be the most expensive one, right? This is this is the best one, right?" I'm like, "No, but like, but it's the smoothest." I'm like, "Well, yeah, you gotta understand. Like, if you keep drinking, because you're gonna want more. You're gonna want more heat. You're gonna want more complexity. You're gonna want more things going on." And uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's beautiful. That finish is spectacular. It, it's got it interweaves the flavor with the burn perfectly. It, yeah. it it's got. I think I I took a sip of that two or three minutes ago, and it's it's still just like right freaking there, and and yeah. not in a not in a bad way, like in that beautiful way where it's just spreading yeah. around. Yeah, very very low tannins. There's no burn going down. You know, I mean, a lot of that's because it's not chill filtered, so it's got all those nice fatty you know those lipid esters insulating everything from the heat but also you know because i own these barrels from day one nothing's ever rotated everything's racked um and the old well i shouldn't say everything we did buy 267 barrels that are palletized but all of my new fills are racked um which is cool because we're doing a lot now we're doing we're laying down 400 barrels a month and to get all those racked you know, in this, in the old warehouses versus the new house, new warehouses just shows, you know, what the relationship is like between us and MGP. And it's, it's amazing. And I, I love them and they love us and, uh, you know, everything's cool. <laughs> and, and I, I love that. It, you guys are proof. You guys are uh, absolute proof that you know what you want and you found something that you liked and you yeah. ran with it and it's been successful. It's like yeah. all, all of the naysayers because the internet's full of these people that just like to oh. find things and pick it apart. And I don't oh, like even, this. Even, no, obviously even especially now with, it, with what went on in the past couple of days, you know, what went on in the like, past couple of days. I've been under a rock. If you don't want to talk about it, you don't have to. Oh, um, uh, you know, like, so somebody sold a giveaway bottle. And oh, it was one hear. of the giveaway okay. bottles. And I said, if you sell these bottles, I'm going to burn you and your, and the group you're selling it to, to the ground. I did and, hear about uh, that. I did hear yeah. about that. That's just, <laughs> but that's just poor form. Uh, I guess that didn't really make a, a blip on, on in my brain because I I get I agreed with By you. By the way, you and I are probably the only ones still talking about it. <laughs> I mean, talk about something with no staying power and no log rolling and not even like how is this even something people are talking about and not a controversy. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's like it's that social media noise, man. For for every for it's a give and take for all of the, uh, the good and the, the reach that you get from it. There's, there's always somebody that abuses it. Uh, uh the, I mean, it's so the, even this, right. And so it's like all, you know, people are like sending me messages, like saying, Hey, I hope you're doing okay. Blah, blah. I'm like, I can't, I can't even count. Literally. I could not count the positive direct message requests 
or comments. There were so many. That's the good. Real, yeah, the real bourbon community is an amazing, supportive, generous, you know, genuine group of tens and tens of thousands of people. You Completely know, agree. more. It's like you know, I mean, we got like a thousand new followers on Instagram in a day. More, you know, POs are selling faster. You know. We ship stuff out the door, like stuff's gone, you know, the past couple of days. It usually it gets the distributor before it's sold. More store inquiries, more everything. Just positive, positive, positive. And so, you know, I can literally count how many negative comments I had and how many. I had like five negative DMs, like, you're an asshole. And, uh, and then like the comments, and the comments were just like ridiculous and absurd and dismissible. You know, people were like, oh, well, now you're shit juice that's just good in marketing doesn't even have any marketing i was like well there's never been marketing i don't market it and i'm sorry but i mean i have four double golds and i don't even know how many gold medals from san francisco wines you know san francisco i was francisco gonna say uh, competition gold I, medals I, right I, out of the <laughs> gate might i add gold and double goals out of the gate i've had steve beal request to meet me I, i've had the the head of you know pernod ricard uh, when they were in vegas they uh, you know, Brown Spears requested to meet me. I mean, these are titans in the industry. I had like, you know, like San Francisco judges, uh, um, the Western regional manager for compass box. I did an event with him and he was like, Oh my God, you smoke wagon. It's so great to meet you. It's, it's so amazing what you're doing. And then I've got, you know, this guy, your juice is shit. Okay. Great. If you say so, whatever. I mean, I'm sorry that you're so, you know, it's like, I mean, even talking about it, it's like giving it more, Monkey Ball 69 thinks his opinion matters. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And that, it's, that's the thing, too, is because I got an overwhelming number of messages saying, I don't understand anything about this. What's the, the secondary? I don't, I don't know what this is. I don't know what's happening. And so, you, you know, it's like really you have people that can't see the forest through the trees. Right. So they're, they're, they're surrounded in their own group, and they think their world is the world. Yeah. And it's not, you know, I mean, like we're talking about, like we do 60,000, you know, we're doing 60,000 cases a year in 11 markets and I can't keep up. I can easily double that just if I can get more juice out the door. And then once we get into these other states, it's like an even crazier. And, you know, these are just people that are like going to a liquor store and be like, oh, can I try that? Oh, that's delicious. And, you know, buying it, it's, it's real. It's all straight bourbon. It's all small batch and uncut, unfiltered, you know. It's not, you know, the stuff that's being traded is desert jewel and barrels and shit that I haven't had for like seven months. It's right, not, right. It's, it, it, you know, and that, and that, by the way, and that's why people are like, oh, you're not doing barrels. I'm like, no, I just can't, you know, because we have so much uncut and small batch and, you know, uncut small batch and straight what you're drinking right now. That's real. That's, that's a real thing that's happening where people are buying it and they're drinking it. And they're going, oh, I love this, and holy shit, this price point's amazing. I'm gonna buy I'm more. Going to keep, I'm gonna buy more. Yeah, you know, and and that's how you grow a brand. I I've, I've been in the bar business for almost 20 years now. I have seen shit come and go, and you know, I mean, I remember when when Hudson whiskey was the biggest fucking thing on the planet. You know, oh yeah, yeah, and you know those you three seven fives were yeah those three seven fives were so expensive. Now I don't ever see anybody posting like all these brands. I don't see anybody posting about them. 
you know, it's there's very there few too. that have made it. Like Michter's obviously is one of them. Yeah. I mean, they're an established brand now. They're not going away because, mm-hmm. they, you know, it's not, it's not like, you know, obviously they have like, you know, the celebration stuff that's insane or whatever, but the core products are things that people want to buy and drink and enjoy all the time. And, and that's what I want. I want to be an established brand. We're just regular where you have, Things like uncut, unfiltered, where I'm just cranking out so much of it that it makes no sense to right. like overpay for it because you just got to wait. We'll get more out. I swear. It's not limited. The only th- reason it's like <laughs> even allocated is just my, my production capacity. You know what I mean? Right, right. I will get as much of that out as I possibly can. And, and same with small batch and straight. And so, uh, you well, know, it's, it's uh, you're building a brand. It's like you said, uh, uh, Lisa Wicker told me something that has stuck with me. You, you don't want them to buy the first bottle. You want them to buy the third bottle. You, you want yes. it to be that stable on their shelf where when they go to the liquor store, they're like, I, I th- well, obviously I'm getting this. And then I'm also right. going to maybe try something new, but I got to have the one that I, I got to have this one. Yeah, we've been in these markets long enough now where everybody's gotten it. We've satisfied the, like, I want to try this demand. And I mean, we're in Illinois for a year now, you know, and the sales just keep going up and up and up and up. And um, that's awesome. And so it's a real thing and uh, it's cool. And I, and it's uh, overwhelmingly positive. And the, the people that I deal with are overwhelmed. They're just, everyone's amazing. You know, or I should say everyone, there are some <laughs> whatever, but they, well, you know the, what they say, people, controversy equals cash. Yeah. So a, a couple, yeah, a couple like, naysayers. What's the, what's the controversy? You know, it's like there's no real controversy. Oh, oh, but you, the, I feel like that's what social media feeds on right now, like the nugget of nothing. Yeah. And, and well, I mean, the thing is, like, people are like, oh, uh, I shouldn't say people, but the people that are negative about it, they're like, oh, you should have DM'd the group. I was like, I'm a DSP holding supplier. Right, right. I'm not supposed to know these fucking groups exist. <laughs> you want there to be like a digital trail of me talking to, you know, like groups that are committing crimes. <laughs> I'm obligated. I don't even want to know about it. Like where people right, are like, right. these guys are selling your bottles for this much. I'm like, don't even fucking tell me this shit. I don't totally, want to know this shit. Totally. You know, th- those guys bought those bottles. They can do whatever the fuck they want with me. Don't, t- I don't want to know these groups exist. Don't tell me anything, <laughs> you know? And then this one time somebody sold a, a bottle that was a banned bottle. He knew it was a banned bottle. Um, and you know, it's like that, that fucking hurt me. <laughs> we had yeah, an agreement. Yeah. He betrayed my, you trust. Know, people are like, yeah, my trust. And it's like, if people are like, you know, yeah, they're like, oh, well, you, you know, there was some. Uh, by the way, I love the memes. I shared all of them. Uh, Karen <laughs> one was hilarious, uh, and uh, you know, and but the thing is, like, people are like, oh, you yeah, Karen, like, no, uh, Karen is someone's going like, you didn't follow the rules, so now I'm gonna report you. And this right. is no, we had a sacred bond, and you broke it. You fuck fuckhead. you. <laughs> the righteous arm of God is coming down upon you because that's all we have is our word and our bond. And you broke it and you betrayed me. It's right. not you broke it. It's like, I will, you know, fuck, fuck you. Yeah. The only, yeah. You know, right and the down thing from is, high. Yeah. And the, the only thing that, uh, 
you know, the, the people in the group, they did see that this guy was selling a banned bottle and, and they, they removed it, which is why I, you know, and I never report, I'm not going to fucking report anybody. I don't have time for that shit. Cause the thing is like, what do you think I have time to like pour through groups and all that? No. Fuck, man, I got so much shit going on. I don't have time for that. I don't even care. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and I was like, why is it my responsibility as a DSB holding supplier to like DM someone that I shouldn't be DMing a representative from that group should have been like, Hey, cause it's happened before I've, I've had, uh, uh, somebody, um, uh, uh, employee wasn't paying attention and a retailer, someone bought a whole shit ton of a retailer's barrel. Okay. And the retailer, you know, messaged me, said, Hey, I saw the shits on secondary market. This has nothing to do with us. We're, we're, we, you know, it was a fuck up. We it was like supposed to be one bottle per customer. We don't know how somebody got all these. I heard about and this. So you, is it, yeah. is it worth even saying the guy's name or just leave it alone? No, just leave it alone. Yeah. Cause that and was the guy was selling as a, as a proxy bottle mm -hmm. because so he didn't know shit. So this asshole that won the bottle, not only did he sell a banned bottle, he threw his fucking friend to the wolves. Ugh. And it's just, you know, but, you know, but, and so I don't know. I mean, if it wasn't so fresh, I wouldn't even talk about it. Cause, no, uh, no, it, it, it's, uh, it's, it's one of those things. It's unfortunate that some people have to ruin a good thing for everybody. You know what I mean? Yes. But, uh, but, you know, like I said, somebody was like, oh, you're such a good sport about it. Like the memes and everything. I thought they were funny and I shared them and shit. I was like, man, uh, the life I've lived, having bars where I've had them, I've had to deal with life and death situations. I've had to deal with this. This shit ain't shit. Right, <laughs> it's just right. like whatever. Yeah. It's, and like I said, there's no controversy. Like, oh, what's the controversy? You know? It's like, yeah. Oh, shit. It, people, man, because the, the people that are like, "Oh, what? What did you expect? The guy you gave a guy a free bottle? It's like, fuck you, man." Yeah. No, I expect them to to keep their word. Is what I yeah. expect. I expect them not to fucking you know shit on my largesse of giving out uh, you know free stuff and and uh, and giving back to the community that I love so much. You know. Hell yeah! Because the 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 thing since I've started doing this, the bourbon community is one of the warmest most welcoming communities like from the distillery point of view everybody just wants to see everybody else do well oh yeah like it it's such a inviting uh hey i want to talk about your your bourbon i want to talk about your juice yes by all means and and everybody just there's no pretension there is no like higher than thou mentality it is we are doing what we love to do and we love talking about it and that's been yeah, my people, absolute people, favorite part and people love sharing and introducing people to something new. And it's, it's really, I've said it before. I've said it on other Zooms. This is like the greatest endeavor I've ever done. And it's all because of the people in this community. Because it's so rewarding. It's so incredible. You know, because it it's a creative experience. And I'm creating these blends and I'm doing these things. And when people message me and tell me how much they liked it or they, you know, the situation between behind how they introduce it to their friend or all these things, uh, it's like, it, uh, there's like some, some things where people are like telling me how much they love. It's like, I'm fucking, you know, I'm like, getting all like, Oh shit. <laughs> no one can see me read this. <laughs> Where are my sunglasses? I'm getting a little, you know, and it's real and I appreciate it. And, yeah. uh, 
and, and it's, it's really cool. And, um, you know, that's awesome, man. And it, it's, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing that you're, that you're producing. You're putting something out there that people like, I like, guess that's yeah, a good that, feeling. That, that's all, you know, cause like, by the way, that's all it is in the beginning. I'm, you know, it's like, I even feel bad being called a master blender cause I'm not certified. I don't have, I'm just a guy who like wanted to do this. And in the beginning, the I couldn't pick out flavors. I just wanted to create something that I really enjoyed the taste <laughs> the damn shit, sorry, that right. I really enjoyed the taste of, you know, and, uh, people are like, well, how is it? I'm like, oh, it's good. That, that, that was really <laughs> freaking good. Um, thank you. You are a ridiculously busy man. Uh, where should I go next? So I don't keep you all afternoon. Let's go to the, we'll, we'll do small batch real fast and then we'll, then we'll do the, I'm big boy filtered. Yeah. And to everybody in Mooresville, North Carolina, when you hear this tonight, know that the show that you saw at eight o'clock was fueled by smoke wagon <laughs> bourbon. <laughs> the eight o'clock's completely different from the 10 o'clock. There'll be coffee between shows. Oh, this one's got, you can already, the nose has more of a bite to it. Yeah. It's, uh, it's going to have some more Oak. It's got nine. Uh, I don't know which one that has, but it always has the oldest juice. It always has four or five. I try to not make it super complex as far as like what I'm blending uh, because I want it to be relatively consistent. I do have a, a philosophy with that fruit forward. Yep. Big spicy finish. With Is it open. cherry? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's so, apple, it's you know? so fruit forward. Oh my God. This is a, Oh, I, okay. I'm not going to waste <laughs> any time. This is fucking phenomenal. <laughs> Thank you. And again, so smooth on the freaking yeah. palate. This yeah, is dangerous, so, Aaron. So I, I actually blend that one to be a little hot at 100 proof because the way I blend, I can remove all that heat at 100 proof easily. I can make it so you think you're drinking something. With all that, with a, unfiltered, with all those lipid esters in there, I could get that sucker so that it's like drinking, you know, melted caramel. But I want small batch to stand up. If you have a cocktail, if you have it on the rocks, right? I want there to be some heat and, and lots of complexity, so it doesn't get watered down or disappear in a cocktail. It works its way around the mouth perfectly. It, Thank it you. the finish is phenomenal. That's you know why the hype has lasted because it's not <laughs> hype. You, you know what that, I mean? That, yeah, and and that's that's what I see is like people are like okay, this is real. This is not like, you know, um, and I, and I don't want these things to be something that's allocated or hard to get. I want to get them out. Oh, there. please don't wanna, do that to us. I, I, the only reason it happens is real. I can't make enough fast enough. Yeah. <laughs> that, that it's not, it's not a strategy to generate hype or desire or anything. It's I'm trying like every day. And since we're moving in August, there's, there's a limited, I, I can't invest too much into the space, right. you know, cause like uh, I could do a second shift, but by the time I get everybody trained and everything, we'll be in a new space with an automated bottling line. And I don't know if I'll need that, you know? So, uh, well, um, just so you know, all of these are staying right on my shelf. <laughs> Uh, after the team gets on this thing, I'll, I'll send you pictures of <laughs> empty <laughs> bottles on Monday. Fantastic. Yeah, uncut goes very fast for how high proof it is. Whew. All right. I, I just popped uh I just popped our straight the uncut unfiltered. <laughs> 
Yep. So uncut is like an absolute term. You know, cast strength has no real meaning because uh, you can add water to the barrel. You can proof it down on the barrel and it's still cast strength. Right. But uncut means no water added ever. No filters. This hadn't been through charcoal. This hasn't been through a screen. It, it, it's been, well, it has been through a screen. It's been it has through, been. Uh, oh, because you got to get out the original it, stuff, right? Yeah, you got to get the char out. So it's been through a basket filter that's like 100 microns, and that just gets rid of the big pieces of char. And then it has to go through a one micron filter because for sanitary reasons, you know, it's not going to affect the flavor at all, but it'll make sure there's no of sealed system from the one micron filter to the bottle. So, you know, there's no hair or dirt or dust or any, but it's not going to affect the flavor at all. There's no nature in it. I mean, there's nature yeah. from the barrel, but there's no nature uh, in terms of sediment or anything like that. Correct. Now this one, it's coming at the nose almost from the side. Like the cinnamon's harsh, like the cinnamon's, you, you get more cinnamon what, and what, more uh, citrus. Does that one have a batch sticker on it? Yep. So on the back? It, 27. Okay. All right. These might have a little bit of oak, more oak on the finish. That, that was a bunch of uh, barrels I didn't have any experience with. But they all mellow out in the bottle. Like I've gone back to ones that used to be like really oaky and really big, huge flavors. And it's all kind of mellowed out and gotten a little more balanced. I th you get oak, but in a good way. It's right. not too oaky by any stretch of the imagination. It's still fruit forward with that. I like I like the oak. I think it's like the perfect amount. Yeah. That is, okay, what's the proof of this guy? 57.46. Good Lord. Yeah. This is dangerous. Yeah, they're now, all dangerous for sure. The, Especially because the, they got all those flavors, so you keep drinking it. Trying to, to get pick more. Out more flavors, and then all of a sudden you're like, "Shit!" <laughs> and you stand up, and you're like, "Oh, oh man, yeah." You get something, you get more on the second sip. It the mouth feels freaking phenomenal, Thank and you. then the the finish is <laughs> it's like a luxury finish. <laughs> yeah, they they last. They'll they'll tuck you in the bed tonight. They'll be they'll still be hanging out with you. Well, it'll be. Um, I'm gonna. I'm gonna earmark this guy. He he he's only going away for a little bit, and then as soon as I talk to the good people in Mooresville, North Carolina, I'm gonna come back and uh, I'm gonna hop in a damn hot tub, smoke a cigar, and drink me some of this shit. Right That's on. how my night That's ends. I like to hear. <laughs> I've got a triple Maduro just waiting on me. Oh, fantastic! If uh, uh, if I didn't have the studio, I was going to I was going to smoke with you today. Uh, <laughs> but um, there's, you know, legalities, and all that bullshit. Yeah. Uh, well, sir, you have been more than generous with your time today. I know we've gone oh, about half pleasure. an hour longer than we thought we were going to. That's um, usually how it goes. I don't mind. I, I, I love doing these things. You know, I love I love talking to everybody. Uh I wouldn't be here without, you know, people in the bourbon community and I appreciate it. And so, uh, I, you know, I love doing stuff like this, you know, it's especially now since I can't do events or anything like that. It's like, it, it's, it's a, hopefully it's a way that I get to connect with people, you know, most definitely. Well, you certainly are just like an interesting guy, man. Like oh, I, a hundred percent mean we, you and I could probably sit here and do this as long as you would let me do it. So, uh, I appreciate the time. I, I'd love to talk to you again. Like we just scratched the surface Absolutely. on music I and freaking yeah. cinema. 
We also you only scratched the surface on Smoke Wagon. Like, like everything. <laughs> we got to you opening the. Uh, we got you opening the uh, the the your Smoke Wagon brand, and and we got your yep. thirty six rye, and and then all of a yep. sudden you're winning awards, and the next thing you know, you took over the damn bourbon world, man. <laughs> It's a, it's an well, awesome I mean, thing. You know, it's all, it's all relative. It, it's, uh, you know, uh, cause obviously we're never going to, you know, it, it, it's amazing. It's, uh, it's incredible. It really is. It's, it's an amazing adventure. And, uh, hopefully, you know, like I said, we, we've got no exit strategy. I want to keep doing this for, for as long as I can. And so, so everything is like looking towards the future, you know, and it's, uh, so far, and that was the thing about the straight bourbon. Like when I was doing the straight bourbon, everybody was like, you got to do this. You got to do that. And I was like, no, you know, we got to do this. And, um, and I think, I think, I think in the future we'll be perfectly positioned with something that's affordable that everybody can have. And then, you know, cause who knows, like, and then an uncut will always be affordable. So it's nice to have these things that people can just buy on a regular basis and drink. Most definitely. And enjoy it's a good price point. It's a beautiful juice. I, I, I think you. the strategy that you're working with right now is just, it's only going to go forward. Like you've got nowhere to go, but up right now to be cliche. I, that, that's how it feels. Uh, and it's all, it's a, it's, it's amazing. And I know why. And it's because of guys like you and everybody in the bourbon community. And, uh, you know, and that's just important to me. Well, thank you for saying that. Maybe when all of this is over, I'll dr- uh, I'll jump in the truck, and the next time I'm booked out west, I'll stop by and have a cigar with you. Fantastic! You'll you'll definitely be welcome. <laughs> Very good talking to you, Aaron. You too. Thank you for your time, and my uh, pleasure. I will I will definitely be in touch to see if we can't do this again sometime. All right. Have have a oh have a good evening. Oh, thank you very much. And <laughs> right. uh, it, if the first joke bombs, I'm blaming you, just so you know. <laughs> okay. Definitely <laughs> definitely reach out if you need anything, all right? If I'm dying, I'm straight up calling you back. I'll, I'll FaceTime you, and uh, we can explain to the crowd uh, what, what, what kind of goodness led to, the, led to what they're watching. Okay. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> Take care. All right, man. Have a good night. You too. All right, everybody, there you have it. We want to thank Aaron Chepanick from Smoke Wagon for being on the show today. Good Lord, I could talk to that guy for freaking hours. I might have to make a pilgrimage to Las Vegas just to smoke cigars, talk sci-fi, 8-track, records, everything with that guy. I, I, I think I could do it all day or at least till the liquor runs out. We want to thank him and Smoke Wagon for being on the program today. They've been so much fun to work with, and everybody that put anything into this episode, I want to thank all of them so much because it really was a lot of damn fun. And that is it for Season 2, the premiere. We did it, you guys. That is the first episode. We have got, good Lord, so many more good ones coming for you on Season 2. We've got Penelope bourbon next week then we've got barrel bourbon then we've got new riff then we've got blackened then we've got bullet then we've got good lord just about everybody you can think of we've got redwood empire we've got very old saint nick the list goes on and on so come on back next week because we're going to have more bourbon goodness for you we're going to keep on talking to these people and finding out how they make the juice that you love i'm going to keep learning more expanding my palate it's going to be a damn good time 
time. So if you would, please hit subscribe. Come back next week for Penelope Bourbon. My name's Jesse Jones. Let's raise your glasses and kick some asses. I'll see you guys next week on the Bourbon Showdown Podcast. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. <laughs>